Welcome to Balcony Cheerleader, the podcast dedicated to celebrating you. I'm your host, Miss Thunder. And today's guest, I've got Notre Dame fighting Irish legendary tight end Oscar McBride. Woohoo, Oscar! <laughs> Bravo, please. How are oh, you, Oscar? You know what? I tell you what. If I ever need a hype person or a marketing <laughs> firm, I don't know where the legendary came from, but I, I appreciate the intro. Thanks for having you, me. Really thank it. you for being here. And Oscar, today we're going to be talking and discussing the highs and lows and life after football. So Oscar, mm -hmm. take us all from the beginning. Like, when did you know football was your sport? Oh, um, you know, my mom has pictures of me at like age three or four years old. Uh, getting in a football stance. My uncle, my uncle was a, a huge in, like impact and um, just someone that I really was striving to be like. And he played football at Chiefland High School. And I okay. remember going to his games at age five and and six, and you know putting on his helmet. And at the time, you know Chiefland is you know baby blue and gold. And at the time, they had you know, blue helmets. And I think they, I think they went back to the blue helmets, but um, mm -hmm. he used to always say, I'm going to date myself with this because it's a commercial jingle. Everything's better with the blue bonnet on it. <laughs> I um, like that. You know, remember, remember blue bonnet butter? Right? Uh, right? Oh my God. You took right? me so back just, to the I days of parquet. Back, right? Yeah, parquet <laughs> yeah, butter. butter. butter right? <laughs> right. So my uncle, and I remember that, you know, and, and I didn't, I didn't get it at the time, you know, mm -hmm. but what he was saying was that they were going to put that blue hat on you. And Chiefland mm -hmm. has always been known for being a physical football team. And I just wanted to be a part of that. Um, I got a chance to, to be a part of, you know, a, a really small community. You know, when I was coming up, Chiefland had three stoplights. Um, <laughs> everybody knew everybody. You know, if you did something on one part of town, by the time you got home, mama you already knew about it. Yeah, yep. mama already knew about tapped. it. Yeah, yep. for sure. Um, so just to be a part of that legacy, um, of those guys that had played before me was was huge. Mm. And I had to play with some great people, you know, Kendrick, the great Dr. Kendrick Scott, um, mm. who, who played at Florida State, uh, just a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete and friend. We played football, basketball, and we're on the track team together. Right. Um, Robert Thompson, a phenomenal a football mm. player. Tim Henderson, a great football and basketball player. Uh, the list goes on and on. Brian Gore, um, was a just a gutty quarterback and competitor. Uh, Daryl Norris was just just incredible running back. Right. We had a lot of guys who played, and I, I can honestly say I'm just a product of my environment. You know, those guys pushed me, and you know, I just had an opportunity that that I, you know, I seized it. Thank God for Notre Dame. I tell people mm -hmm. all the time, and you know, and Thunder, you'll appreciate this. I tell people all the time, I have no idea how Notre Dame found me. That, that's the biggest question that I, that brings me into my no, next I, question, Oscar. No to leave Florida mm -hmm. and to go all the way to Indiana, because yeah. as a trainer, one of the things people always come to Florida to recruit their athletes. And the one biggest fear that they always have is these kids will leave Florida and go to the Big Ten. And then after one year of that cold snow, they're out. <laughs> <laughs> but well, what made you <laughs> did your family embrace because I know University of Florida was all over you Miami oh, Florida State they were all over you but for you to make the leap from Chief 
Flint, Florida, all the way to Indiana, right. no man's land, Man. blue and gold. Ooh. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> but he ha. <laughs> well, you know How what? did you do that? Hey, you know what? It, it wasn't easy. I can tell you, you know, um, when you go to Notre Dame, you know, I went on my recruiting trip. First of all, let me let me back up. I didn't even know where Notre Dame was. Mm. Okay. Like, and they were like, well, South Bend, Indiana. I'm like, Indiana. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I've been, you know, a few places, you know, I was, I was blessed, you know, you know, Kibris and I were in Upper Bound together. We got a chance to go from Florida to California and back and then from Florida to Canada and back, but I had never been to Indiana. So okay. when I got this plane ticket to take my recruiting trip and it says South Bend, Indiana, I looked at it and it's not like, <laughs> it's not like I had Google at the time, you know, I didn't have Google. Oh Google my gosh, so, right. So it was, it was truly like one of those these blind faith kind of things, you know, you jump on the plane, I'm with my mom, you know, it was only like my second or third time on a plane, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with my mom, we go to this thing and I get there and they roll out the red carpet. I mean, obviously I was recruiting right. and I'd never really experienced that. You know, I'd gone to some unofficials at the University of Florida and, you know, seen the Gator getters and all those types of things and right. kind of sat there, but to be like the center of attention and to be wheeled around and, I get there and, and Thunder, let me tell you, I get there and they're having a scrimmage because they're getting ready to play in the Orange Bowl. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching these dudes practice. And I'll never forget it. Chris Zorich, who is still my big brother and a good friend of mine, and Ricky Waters, who's, you know, just a phenomenal friend of mine and, and in my opinion, a Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. um, they're doing an inside run drill. It was just, just run game, you know, defense offensive line running backs quarterbacks and and you know rick myers a quarterback he hands the ball off to chris to, to ricky waters and chris Orich comes free and, and makes this tackle and there's a big chunk of gold paint that flew off of ricky waters <laughs> oh, no. i looked i looked at my mom i looked at my mom i was like hey i don't look I don't know if I can play here. Like, this is too much. Like, right, it's like, right. these this dudes are knocking chunks off of helmets around here. Pretty much. Well, what, what got me to stay, if I'm being honest, I, I did think about leaving. Um, okay. I, my freshman year was really difficult. I had a lot of firsts my freshman year. One, I was on academic probation because I didn't, I didn't really know how to study. Right. What I can tell you is, um, my educational development wasn't where it should have been for Notre Dame. I had to learn how to study. I had to learn how to prepare. Um, because you graduated with like a 3.9, didn't you not? Three, five, something like that. I was in the Because you've 10. always been very scholarly. So that must have been a, e a blow to your ego. Well, a little that, bit. Well, it, it was beyond that. For me, it was not even just the ego. It was the fear of failing. And, and, having, and having to go back to Chiefland and face all the naysayers mm. who told me that I, I shouldn't be going to Notre Dame in the first place. Mm. So um, I, I get injured, you know, which I'd never been hurt before. I broke my wrist, had to have okay. surgery, red shirted. And I'm, I'm in a funk, man. I, I'm not I'm not playing. I'm not dressing. Um, I know that all my people from Florida, you know, Notre Dame's on TV. People are looking for me. I'm not on TV. I'm struggling academically. I'm kind of withdrawn socially. And I call my mom. I'll never forget this. I call my mom and I was in tears. I'm like, mom, I can't do this. I, I need to come home. And, you know, Steve Spurrier, you know, old ball coach was like, hey, 
when you're ready to come home, man, you just come on home. There's always a place for you. And I knew that, you know, I, I knew that. And I was like, mom, just, just call Steve Spurrier. Like, I want to come home. I'm hurt. Mm-hmm. I can't, right. I can't manage the workload. I don't right. have anybody I know. And my mom, as only she could say, she paused and she said, you're really going to let all of these people who talked about you, you're going to, you're going to make them, you're going to make them right. Like you're going to, you're going to allow them to dictate what you do. And I was like, mm. what, what do you mean? She's like, you know, good and well, everybody expects you to fail. Mm. There's no way. And she says to me, there's no way I'm letting you come home. You need to figure it out. And she hung up on me. That was the defining moment. You either sink or swim. She told me either you need, you need to figure it out. And it was like, click. And I was like, hello. (laughs) (laughs) And my parents didn't meet the same way. And you're like, what the heck? Did they hang up on me? Did we get a bad yet? And back then we couldn't just call somebody back. You either call collect because you didn't have money or you had a calling card. A calling card. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. And I wasn't, my mom gave me a calling card. She's like, you only use this in an emergency. Right. Well, I, I wasn't dying. So I knew if I used the calling card, I'd have been in crazy trouble. And if I had to call her collect, she probably wouldn't answer because she just hung up on me. So I had to figure it out. And you know what? I, I just forged great relationships with guys who pushed me, you know, guys like Aaron Taylor, who's my roommate, um, certain Hall of Famer, Bryant Young, uh, still a good friend today, guys like Jeff Burris and Brian Hamilton, Clint Johnson, Lake Dawson, wow. um, just all these phenomenal players who are phenomenal people. And um, But when you're in the pit of hell, let's go mm-hmm. back to that moment, yeah, that conversation yeah. in that yeah. day, Oscar. Oh, yeah. When you're in the pit of hell, mm-hmm. what do you tell yourself in that moment? Because we, we could be surrounded by the greatest, but it mm-hmm. still starts within you walk me through that moment what something snapped inside of you like what was it in that defining moment that said oh heck no fear oh I say that all the time fear either paralyzes you or it takes you to the precipice Mm -hmm. there's no doubt um you know I've I've always subscribed to an acronym of fear false evidence appearing real right Mm. um but in my case, fear was a motivator and not to be disrespectful to where I'm from and the people who came before me, but I'm just going to say it in, in a black neighborhood, we always have a place where people hang out. Right. You know, we have, it's either the park or under the tree or everybody, when you say, oh yeah, they're out under the tree, everybody knows where the tree is. Right. Like, if and it's out, still there. The park, yeah, decades man. later, yeah. it's still that same the oak tree. The tree is still there, man. <laughs> the tree is still there. And you know what? I was I was afraid, under I was afraid of being the next guy who could have been. Mm. That's that's what scared me. That, that was your driving vehicle. All of this opportunity, and because I was afraid to step out. And I was feeling a little bit uncomfortable and I was right. having some adversity and I was experiencing some things I'd never experienced before. I was ready to run. Mm. But, but when my mom, when my mom told me I was basically staying hung up on me and then I flashed, I flashed to the tree, man. 
I flat, I'm telling you, I flashed to the tree and I there thought about is. all the people hanging out under that tree, drinking, playing, playing spades, dominoes, whatever, who were actually better than I was athletically, mm-hmm. you know, who actually mm-hmm. had opportunities to go away to college and maybe even the military to experience things and do things. And for whatever reason, they're now back under that tree. The fear, the fear of being that next chiefland failure is, is what drove me. Mm. And that was the seed that started with that, that I call it that emotional turnaround. Oh yeah. When you click and reach that epiphany in life, because we all go through that. Cause you know, your mom gave you that tough love like my parents did to me. And I remember when I was at Florida State, I was in, I think my junior year, Mm -hmm. and I was in a really intense, tough class. And it was one of my core classes that I had to graduate. And I I got an F for the first time. And you would have thought the world was ending because I had never (laughs) see in my household, you had to have a 3.75 it was non-negotiable it just was what it was so for me to receive an F for the first time my mom wasn't home to take my collect call but my dad was Mm -hmm. and I'll never forget what he said I couldn't put my words together I was like you know that blubber cry (laughs) you know I was was not my eyes are red you know I was in one of those cries so my dad said put the phone down he said go wash your face baby and I said, yes, sir. He said, what is you up here crying and acting a fool over? And I said, what? I just told you I'm about to get an F. I got an F on my midterm. I only got one shot to pull this up. I can't get an A. So he's like, okay, so what's the worst that can happen? He says, so do you want me to crank the van up and come and get you and come home? Because if I do, you coming home for good. And I said, well, no. He says, so then what are you crying and acting a fool for? He said, you're not the only person who has gotten an F or failed. He said, and, and, and the point he was saying is like, when you take your first step on the ladder, that first step is failure. He says, so in order to get to the top, how do you think you get to the top? We all have to fail to succeed. He says, so dust yourself off. He said, put your tears away. He said, I'd rather you come back with an F or D than an easy A. He said, but are you learning? And that was the point. Oscar that day I remember I went into the Lee Center and I trained that day I bust some head in that weight room I was on fire I was making people tap out saying thunder I was (laughs) I'm four foot eleven at that time I'm barely five feet now but I'm four foot nine up in there like okay (laughs) I'm training with football players I'm training with people who thought they were about it busting head and everybody's like okay we need to helmet her up she needed to be it. on the team you know I love but it <laughs> I love what you just said it was in that moment and what got me was when my dad said do I need to crank this car and come up and get yeah, you, you come? and the fear of going back home with my yeah, tail tucked between my yeah, legs Woo, that was the too much is, right? I can't do it I was like the I can't is. do it yeah. you know so my dad is like Look, let's and just like with your mom, and he hung the phone up on me. At first, I thought we got a bad connection. I was like, bad connection. Whoa, whoa, what? But it was in that moment, and that is what I used to fuel me not only in that situation, but so many subsequent situations For sure. after. For that. sure. For you sure. know what I mean? So it's like, okay, so you're in your freshman year. 
Yeah. Take me yeah. through sophomore, junior, and then your senior year. Oh my God. So I read shirt. I ended up having surgery my freshman year. Um, it was, it was just terrible. You know, I have uh, surgery on my wrist. They put a pin in. I don't play. I go down to the bowl game as a three-day tripper. We play against uh, Colorado. Uh, we end up losing on a fictitious clip when Rocket Ismail returns a punt on the last play of the game. Mm. Um, sophomore year, Dean's List. Um, break into the scene as a backup tight end and some special teams. Uh, junior year, um, I'm uh, 1A, uh, but another kind of another hiccup. The last scrimmage, it's a week before the opening game, and we're scrimmaging in the stadium. We're getting ready to play Northwestern, and you know, tight end. I wasn't, I wasn't a speed guy, but I was a possession receiver guy and a really good blocker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I ran, I ran a little hitch route and quarterback throws me the ball and I take a drop step to turn up field and I get hit mm. right under my left, right under my left chin. And I, my jaw's broken. <sighs> and, uh, you know, I'm just like, man, that hurt. You know, just thinking about it, going back to the huddle, I'm like, man, that really hurt. I never felt that before. So I get the play call, go to the line of scrimmage and get ready to, to run the next play. And, you know, instinctively, you know, you bite down on your mouthpiece as you get ready to make contact. Right. And I, I just remember biting down on my mouthpiece and just standing up in the middle of the play and just walking off the field. <laughs> it's like, cause that pain, yo, something ain't right. <laughs> something so ain't ding, right. ding, 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 yeah, ding. Right. Right. <laughs> so, so. So I, I end up, you know, jaw's broken. I'm in the infirmary. Coach Holtz comes in and he's, you know, he's upset. You know, he's like apologizing to me because here's, here's, here's how it happened. Like I said, I was 1A. Like, so we had a starting tight end, Irv Smith. Right. Ended up being a first round pick for the Saints. And then there was me because we ran a lot of two tight end stuff. Right. Um, <laughs> Coach Holtz comes to the infirmary. And he's apologizing because I'd missed the block with the first group. Coach Holtz got mad and made me go with the second group. And when I caught the pass in the second group is when I got my jaw broken. So he's a positive. He's feeling bad, right? He's, he's feeling oh, bad. No. And I'm like, coach, I'm good. You know, I'm like, coach, I'm good. You know, because I can barely talk. Like, coach, I'm good. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work. We really need you. And I just want to make sure you're okay. And I'm like, coach, I'm good. I'll be fine. I'll be ready. Um, you know, my buddy Irv Smith, you know, was in tears. You know, he's like, I don't know what to do, man. Like, you're my brother. I need you. Irv Smith is the reason I went to Notre Dame. So for mm. all the people, so if there are people out there listening who were either Gator fans or Seminole fans, I was going to Florida State. You were a good man I, I, back I was, then. You I were a good going, man. I was going, I was going. <laughs> I was going to Florida State. My aunt, my aunt went to Florida State. You know, she's she's a Seminole. She's was, a good woman. Uh, I'm an no FSU. You are, you know, she's a good woman. There's, there's she's no a question. Seminole. She's a there's good no, woman. There's no question. She's she's phenomenal. Um, you know, majored in criminology, worked for the state for 40 years. Just just wow. incredible. Um, so I was I, you know, bled garnet and gold. You know, growing up, and then you know, just remember guys that play on the team. You know, like. 
Martin Mayhew and Pat right. Carter, Pat Carter, Ooh. who I got a chance to play with at the Cardinals. Oh, and, you know, and Greg Allen. And, yes, sir. You know, Hassan. <laughs> you know, all these guys. I remember playing like I couldn't wait to be a Seminole, and then I get to Notre Dame, and it's like, well, this is this feels right. And so, anyway, I go through that my junior year. I end up playing with a broken jaw. Um, leading and I led the team in touchdown receptions that year mm-hmm. as a junior um came one back of the right. things Oscar I don't mean to interrupt you no. but one of the things that people that have never seen you play is that your for your size and your height your speed and agility was something that you had to see for yourself <laughs> seriously because no 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 (laughs) you know because I I specialize in training football players and the one thing I can't there's three things you really can't teach an athlete you can't give them height you can't give them guts and that innate agility that you have to know that had to be your weapon for your size to be that quick when the whistle blow you was getting your head your wig was split yeah, one hundred percent. Well, and you know, and that, and we were taught that at Notre Dame. You know, it's like, okay, you're a tight end, mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of people say Notre Dame tight ends are, you know, like tackles with speed. At least back then, because yeah. we ran the ball. I mean, you got Jerome Bettis and Reggie Brooks and Tony right. Brooks, and Rodney Culver, Lee Becton, Randy Kinder. You know, you got all these running backs. You know, Mark Edwards, who two-time Super Bowl champion. You know, you got all these guys. We're gonna block first. Basically. Um. So. Our coach, Coach Moore, our offensive line tight ends coach, um, who now has a, an award named after him for the best offensive line in college football, would tell us how fast can you get your hand from the dirt to his chest? There how fast? How fast can that happen? So I was always aware. I was never the fastest, but I was always pretty strong. Like you know, I was a Right. I was a 510 bench presser. I was a, you know, mm-hmm. 1500 pound, 1700 pound leg presser. Like I was strong. Right. So, so I knew that if I could punch this dude with my upper body strength, it was going to be like a kick. There it is. At that rate of speed. Yep. That's the thing. Yep. From yep. zero to on from zero to the 10 yard yep. line, oh, yeah. you were smashing anything. Oh, yeah. And that's just whoa. Yep. Come yep. on. I've seen your highlights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What? Oh, you, you look, look, listen, listen. You make me want to go and back find Lou. Tell Lou what can we do, <laughs> Lou? Lou, if you're listening. <laughs> oh my gosh, man! I, you know, I, I, I had, I had a, a great time, and I learned a lot. And I, and what I learned, honestly, Thunder was how to use what I had. You know, some guys are faster, some guys are stronger, some guys are quicker. Right. I was always quick. I was always quick, you know, and I used that Mm -hmm. in basketball. I used that, you know, in track to get around the circle and throw in the discus and the shot put. Right. Um, But I was never like straight line, like a blazer. Right. I mean, as a tight end, at least back then, you didn't have to be a blazer. You needed to be quick. So that kind of helped. Um, So we go to our, our, you know, my senior year and, you know, that's the first time there's college game day. There's, you know, the game of the century against Florida State. Um, you know, at the beginning of the season, I'm out with an ankle injury. You know, we're, we're getting, we play Northwestern. I'm practicing for the Michigan game and I feel right. this 
this pop in the back of my ankle, like low. Whoa. Like, like what is that? And it, and it hurt to even stand. And this, right. we, didn't, we didn't have boots and stuff back then, you know, sports science and obviously right. medicine hadn't progressed to where it is in, you know, 2021, almost 2022. So sure. it was, it's a really bad ankle sprain. Now, I don't, I don't know what it was. It, it, you know, all I know is it hurt really bad and I could barely walk. Right. So I didn't play in a lot of games. And then, you know, at Notre Dame, you know, my backup was an All-American. Okay. You know, I had two backups. They're All-American, Pete Kraplevich, Leon Wallace. And they were a couple of years younger than me, but they were good. They were really good. Mm-hmm. So when I did get healthy, I had to earn my spot back. Good. You know I, I mean? love it. Because that's how Coach Holtz did things. So I didn't, I probably missed four or five, four games. And then it took me another three games to earn my spot back. So I cracked the starting lineup again after Northwestern against Florida State in the game of the century. Yes, I do recall that. Yeah, I do too. It was outstanding. See? <laughs> well, here, wait, let me give you, let me give you some perspective. Me, <laughs> hold, on, hold on now, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Are you, here, here's, wait, I'm, I'm like, all those dudes are my boys. Like, you know, James Roberson. Right. You know, I like Derek Brooks. Like Derek, when Derek Brooks. Took Lonnie, G- uh, Lonnie yeah. Johnson. Lonnie, yeah. Uh, Tiger, Tiger McMillan. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Boucher. Boucher yep. Fuller. You know, mm-hmm. plus, you know, plus Kendrick. I mean, Kendrick, you know, I, you know, he's over there. So, you know, Corey Sawyer, you know, all those dudes were my boys. Right. So they were talking mad smack before the game. Bro, you shouldn't have left. We about to put this thing on you. You shouldn't have left home, bro. We about to show you what you're missing at the crib. Blah blah blah. And I'm thinking, and y'all, y'all came and beat us. That and I'm year. thinking, man, y'all don't even know what we about to do to y'all. Like y'all have no idea, mm-hmm. you know. So, because you know, we people thought we were slow. They thought we were just big and slow. What they right. didn't know is that we were big and fast. There was, <laughs> and but they and, and they didn't. Y- y'all had that. You guys, as we go to this break for a moment Notre Dame has historically all you got to do even though it's a movie just watch Rudy that's all I gotta say when I thought about Oscar McBride I was like Rudy 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 oh my god why you do that to me I I got a Rudy yeah 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 because you know why I said Rudy I did that because you had to remind me that was the year no Tradon beat FSU and I didn't appreciate that so I had to slide in you know my boy Rudy you know Rudy's all right Rudy no Rudy's good people Rudy's good people Rudy my South Bend, Mishawaka from the steel mill. You know, I had to throw that in there. I'm sorry. I had to throw that in there, but Oscar, I want you to hang tight. Don't go anywhere. For Listen, sure. if you listeners out there like this episode, I'm going to ask you to please subscribe to the show and download this episode. Also, if you would like to be a guest on Balcony Cheerleader and chop it up with me, your girl, Miss Thunder, to share your story of inspiration, please go to Miss Thunder. Now we're going to continue with having a wonderful conversation with Oscar McBride. Okay, <laughs> we, we stopped at Rudy. Now we're... <laughs> I can't believe you. I can't believe you. I can't believe you. Why? why, why? 
I did. Why do we have I to did. go there? What? You know what? Like, it's okay. It's okay. Though. Mm-hmm. Rudy, Rudy's a good dude. Let me tell you this. I got to tell you, Rudy. I got a Rudy story, right? So, so Rudy, Rudy, you know, the basic, you know, Cliff Notes version of his story is, you know, you never give up on your dreams, right? Absolutely. With, you know, obviously, you know, those of us who are in uh, leadership, leadership development, culture development, right? Those, those things resonate with us, right? It's true. Well, Rudy was. Rudy did not understand no. Okay. Mm. Like it, it's just not, it's just not in his vocabulary. So I'm in South Bend, you know, it's summer, you know, football players go back and work out and go to class and all that stuff. And I, I was turning 20. I know my birthday's in July. Um, I turned 20 and uh, Rudy was in town. He literally lived less than five minutes from campus at the time really and oh yeah like rudy was in south like people don't understand rudy rudy was selling cars when his story got sold he was a used car salesman Mm -hmm. um just a a a good dude that was a fan of the program you know he was an alum he was a former football player so he was you know he was a brother so um this man calls me on my birthday morning at like seven o'clock in the morning hey coach he calls everybody coach hey coach I want to have you over for your birthday. We're going to have some beer and some brats, hang out. I'm like, Rudy, bro, it's seven o'clock in the morning. I'm like, can you, hit me? can you hit me back like later? He's like, yeah, okay, coach. I hang up the phone. Now, remember, this is 1992, right? So there's, there's no, there's these big block phones that ring loud as all get out, like a fire, fire station bell. Like, you know what I mean? When they ring, this man called me back again at 7 30 hey coach just want to remind you we're gonna have some some guys over we're gonna we're gonna and celebrate you i'm like rudy bro like i'm still asleep can i can you just just call me back later and and we'll talk about it like thank you i really appreciate you doing this just call me back this dude called me two more times before nine o'clock <laughs> two more times Two more times. Rudy, his I know his real name is Daniel, but he right. sounds like my kind of guy. Man, he did. Look, what did you say? He didn't I, take no. He didn't take no. So guess where I was that that evening? I was at Rudy's <laughs> house celebrating my birthday. Like, <laughs> like Rudy, you know, Rudy, yeah, Rudy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I Oscar. So <laughs> when your senior year hits, yeah. you're graduating. You got family. You have all the accolades. Then you go into the NFL. Mm-hmm. What happens when you play with the Cardinals? Well, let me say this. Um, first of all, I wasn't drafted, which was a devastating blow to me. Um, you know, all senior tight ends or senior athletes have an idea of where they're going to go in the draft. You know, there's all kinds of reports and stuff right. about where you're going to go and where you're going to be. And there were a lot of tight ends in, in my draft. You know, we had Kyle Brady out of Penn State. Absolutely. We had Pete Mitchell out of Boston College. Um, we had uh, Tony Klein out of Stanford. We had uh, David Sloan out of uh, New Mexico. Just, excuse me, a lot of talent at the tight end position. But, you know, all the reports that I'd seen, you know, had either me or Kyle as one and two, which I was, I was like, all right, cool. So I'm thinking at the worst, maybe third, fourth round. And you know, as you go and you sit through the draft and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting <laughs> and you're waiting 
You know, I mean, like the night before the draft, I spoke with the Cowboys. I spoke with the Broncos. I spoke with the Bears. I mean, the Bears told me like, hey, man, we got to pick in the second round. You know, if you're still there, you know, we, we'd love to take you. And I was like, sweet. You know, Chicago is right up the road from South. Right, right. Come check out my boys on Saturday. You know, you know, whoop de whoop, be a little celebrity on the sideline and then play my game on Sunday. I had it all planned, right? Right. Man. Round five, round six, round seven, late round seven. I get a phone call from the Philadelphia Eagles. And they said, you know, we're looking at you in the seventh round. We really like you. And I could hear, I literally heard someone in the background say, no, 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 no. We can get him as a free agent. We're not going to draft. We're not going to draft. And I was like, what? I mean, I could hear that in the background. So did you not have an agent or no? I I did. I did have an agent. Okay. I did. I did have an agent, but what I found out is there's a, there's a lot of other things that are a part of it, you know, absolutely. um, The business side of football, the business side of football. But you know, my thing was, I was never, I was never the fastest guy. So I I ran like a four, nine 40, like I was never fast. Mm -hmm. So I think in the NFL, it's not when you go to the combines, it's not about whether or not you're athletic or whether or not you can play. Honestly, I think the combine is for the owners and for the coaches to see how much they don't have to pay you. Absolutely. The, combine, the combine isn't to evaluate your skill, it's to look at where the flaws are so they cannot pay you. That's there just my, that's just my opinion. I mean, maybe I'm smoking mirrors. No, yeah, it's smoking mirrors. Jaded, but I, I honestly don't like these guys are professionals. They can look on film. They can see, okay, this kid. Absolutely. Right. So um, I undrafted by the Cardinals. Like as soon as, like as soon as the last draft pick, as soon as, you know, um, the last pick in the seventh round was called, my phone's blowing up. I got the Giants calling. I got Philadelphia calling. And then I got the Cardinals calling. And I'm like, all right, I'm in South Bend. I've been in South Bend for five years. And it's cold. (laughs) I mean, it's cold on draft day. And right. That's, that's the end of April, and it's cold. So I'm like, uh, yeah, we'll 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 take a chance in Arizona. Um, Buddy Ryan was the coach. Um, Buddy was very direct with me. He's like, look, I'm not going to give you a signing bonus. He said, but if you make this team, and you play well, I will pay you the equivalent of a second round draft pick. And I was like, okay. So I'm like, at this point, I'm betting on myself. Right. Mm-hmm. I I just gotten married. Um, I had a, a little girl on the way. So my okay. hunger, my hunger was on a million. Okay. And there was no re there was no way I wasn't gonna make that team. So my wife and I packed up everything that we owned in a little U-Haul and we left South Bend, headed for Arizona. Okay. It snowed <laughs> the day I left for Arizona in nineteen ninety-five snow and i thought to myself man i'm never coming back here again (laughs) you know uh get to the cardinals um it was a tremendous opportunity they had moved somebody from defensive line to play tight end so i was obviously a little bit further along in terms of my skill development than him right Um, by the third game of the season i was starting i ended up starting for the cardinals um caught my first uh, nfl touchdown my first nfl reception was a touchdown against the redskins 
Um, I caught another touchdown against uh, the Atlanta Falcons to send the game in overtime where we beat them. Um, we only won four games my rookie year, but just to be a part of the ambiance, a, a part of that, and a part of being a professional athlete where that's my job. That's what I do. Right. Um, getting up early in the morning, uh, meetings, special teams meetings, position meetings, offensive meetings, walkthrough. Uh, then you come back in, you get dressed, you have for practice for about an hour and a half. Uh, after that, you have lift, lunch, and you have more film. Um, and you have treatment. Uh, it's, it's a full day. You know, coming out of college, I'm like, oh, man, shoot, you know, this is going to be an easy thing. I'll be done by noon, make a lot of money. I had the rest of my day to myself. I was in that thing from six to seven. What? <laughs> six, in the morning, <laughs> six in the morning to about seven at night, man. Like I, you know. Oh my gosh. And I, I was lucky to to have guys around me um, that I knew who were there that were like, hey man, you need to do this. You know, you need to do that. You know, um, Garrison Hurst was, was huge. You know, Garrison and I played against each other in the Georgia, Florida all-star game. Right. Um, he went to Georgia. He was there. He left early, so he was there a couple of years before I showed up. Um, he was just a huge influence. Ben Coleman, um, who was a, a lineman who came from Wake Forest. Ben took me under his wing. You know, hey, you need to do these things. You need, mm. to, you need to know everything in the playbook. You need to know what everybody does. You cannot have any mental errors. Um, and then I actually hooked up with my agent, hooked me up uh, at the time, hooked me up with uh, Mac Newton. Oh, and wow. Phoenix. And Mac Newton, if you're not aware of who he is, mm -hmm. he, he is the trainer who is credited with bringing Bo Jackson back from his hip Absolutely. Injury. Absolutely. And, Studied and, him. I and, love his motivation. And, and the Mac Daddy, as he calls himself, mm -hmm. is, is no joke. I was mm -hmm. in the best shape of my life. At Notre Dame, I was about 255 and about 6% body fat. I can tell you I slimmed down to about 245 and I probably had to, at 2%. And I, and I had to, I had to be around five, you mm. know, five and I was shredded and I was in great shape and I felt great, but I worked my butt off and Mac was a huge part of that. So I had, I had a kind of my little small community. Right. At that point, all it was, was just for me to go out and make it happen. And mm. you talk about betting on yourself. That, that's what the NFL is. You're betting on yourself and you have to go out and make it happen because nobody else is. There's another guy who wants your, your spot on the roster. Every so, day. Yeah, you got to grind. You got to make it happen. So, And you're only as good as you were yesterday, last yes, Sunday. Sir. You, you yes, could sir. have three great Sunday night yes, football sir. games or yep. Monday night football games, but you're mm -hmm. only as good as that. And everybody loves a winner. You're a number. This is business. Don't mm -hmm. take it personal. Yep. And I find that when I'm working with athletes, that is the hardest transition that they cannot get past. Because again, it comes down to that ego, what we talked about. Right. They think this and I'm the greatest, but that's okay. When right. the, that, who are people chasing in the game, Oscar? The man with the ball. Right. So the, the man with the ball has to understand that his shoulders have to be big. You don't get to cry. You don't get to have pain. You're impervious to pain and you have a bulletproof soul, period. 
So when you want the man and want to be the man with the ball, you better be prepared to have a bulletproof soul. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, and I, you know, and there was so much about the business side that I didn't know. You know, yeah. like I, I thought, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm on the 53. So I'm on the active roster. I'm like playing, like I'm on the field. Right. Like I remember, right. I remember being on kickoff return in our old RFK stadium playing against the Redskins. And I'm looking around and I'm like, yo, I'm this is I'm, real. I'm in RFK Stadium. Like, <laughs> like, like, no, seriously, I was I was tripping. I was like, I was like, man, Doug Williams played on this field. Like, did you pinch yourself? Like, like John Riggins played on this field. Right. Like, you know, right. The, the the fun bunch, Art Monk, and you know, like all those guys were in the end zone slapping five. Like, and I remember watching that, you know. Um it was a trip. It was really a trip. And, and I, and I had that, that little quick moment and then the ref blows the whistle and now it's go time. I said, you know? and it's, it's, it's it was lighted like, up. I, I'm, it's I, yeah, your time. Let's, let's go. I got, I got L5. I'm about to get his butt. You know? mm, so <laughs> I love it. Okay. So as we continue, we're going to wrap this segment up, but Oscar, what are you doing today? I've, I noticed that you, you work with so many different organizations and by the way, you know, we're highlighting your days of football, but I, ladies, gentlemen, everybody that's listening to me, this man that you're listening to is one heck of a mentor to youth and how he shapes and changed the trajectory of so many of these young people. I would give him an award for that. <laughs> I, I, I really that. would. So, you know, that. what are you doing right now, Oscar? Oh, wow. There's, there's a, a, a lot to that. Um, primarily, I'm, I'm finally in a, in a spot where I can finish my doctorate in education. Oh, look at here. <laughs> I, you know, it's been, it's been a long process. Dr. Mingo would say, look at here, look right? at here. Right, Dr. <laughs> Mingo, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Mingo was was such a, an incredible mentor. Uh, Mr. Rudell James, you know, with Upper Pound out of University of Florida. Um, they always reminded me, you know, you're more than just an athlete. Mm. You know? um, so now I, you know, I've done a lot of study you know, in the process. I'm, I'm actually in my dissertation phase with my doctorate now in education. But I've done a lot of studying about leadership and, um, you know, I have some some authors that I love, you know, um, right. really a big fan of Brene Brown and what she does. Uh, you, know, but you have a consulting firm, right? I do. I do. Uh, and how can people get a hold and, and find you? Like, what's your social media attack? Because I'm sure there are a lot of people that want to reach out to you and say, you know, I heard this or I followed you and you've inspired me. How can they get a hold of you? Um, well, on Twitter, uh, they can reach out to me at uh, ask underscore Oscar. Um, and then uh, on Instagram, it's uh, coach underscore McBride 87. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, they can always reach out to me on my website, Oscar at McBrideConsulting.org. I'd love to hear from them. I'd love to talk through some things with them about leadership. Absolutely. Culture development, whether you're trying to change some things whether you're just trying to talk about, you know, what you want to do, you know, where are your goals? How do we put that together? Because from my perspective, unless you have an actual plan, your goal is nothing more than a wish. So how Mm. do we put that together, right? How do do we, what are the steps that we take? And that's one of the things that we talk about. You know, I, I coach football, I mentor young people. 
um, and especially in terms of leadership for young people, because leadership for them doesn't look the same as it looks for us as adults, right? And the leadership that we had 20 years ago, um, I was chopping it up um, not too long ago with Coach Chester Nichols, and I'm sure mm-hmm. you know him, is over at Wichita yeah. State. And he said to me, he's like, Thunder, even the athletes from five years ago are not the same. And I said, Tell me about it right. 10 years ago. And the knowledge that you and, you, you know, uh, that you bring to an organization, I will say this it will only heighten the awareness um, and bring out the best, not only in the organization, but it will teach the leaders from the top to get the best out of everybody that's in the organization. That's why your consulting firm is so pivotal and so important. We need more of it like you. The world needs you, Oscar McBride. I want to thank you for being a part of Balcony Cheerleader. Will you come back, you think, sometime and join me, Oscar? Uh, You know what? I I would be honored. Ah, he said he'd be honored i'd be honored i'd really be honored (laughs) you know what you know what let me let me say this thunder i'm 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 a big james baldwin fan Mm. and and one of one of his quotes that i love is about education right you know i mean we've all heard you know it's certain in any case that ignorance ally with power is the most ferocious entity justice can have we've heard that one right correct but like when he says, I mean, and I don't want to get this wrong. Uh, the purpose of education speak on it is to create in, in a person the ability to look at the world for himself, to make his own decisions. Mm. Okay. So yes, I'm I'm studying to be a doctor of education, educational leadership. But from mm. my perspective, education isn't just about pedagogy. It's not just about what's in the books, right? It's not just about what you read. It's not just about what you research. It's about what you experience. It's about your environment. It's about the culture that you surround yourself with, the culture that you create. It's about continued growth and development because leadership, right? Mm-hmm. Just like anything else, continues to evolve change mm. right so mm. if we're not evolving and we're not changing then gosh no what, 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 are, what are we doing yeah exactly we have no hope yeah there there is no hope but thank god there are people in the world such as yourself that recognize that and one of the beautiful things as we wrap this segment up one of the beautiful things that i also that maybe people don't know about you is that you have this one special gift and that is you leave people no matter how they come out of their decorum or wherever they are in their life, you always leave people with their dignity. And that is something that most people do not have. And I think that's an innate gift that you have. Again, I want to thank Oscar McBride for being a part of Balcony Cheerleader. I want to thank my military veterans, active and retired, EMT, firefighters, my teachers, my frontline COVID staff, law enforcement officers. And I also want to humbly thank the viewer listenership. I I thank you, the love, the support. I'm humbled by that. I salute you all. You guys are the everyday heroes. And thank you for listening. 
each one, teach one. Hopefully today, Oscar and I, we got to reach one. If you love this show, I'm asking you to please hit that subscribe button and download this episode. You can reach me always at MissThunder.net. Goodbye, Oscar. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, Oscar. Bye. Thank you for having me.